You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension comprised of knowledge, opinions, and entertainment. A journey on a virtual information highway into a wondrous land whose boundaries are more distant than the outer reaches of the Twitter sphere. Your next stop, the Trend Zone. Hello and welcome to the Trend Zone. Casey here with Dave and each week at the Football Radio Show. We give you our expert insight, analysis, and opinions on the top trending stories in the NFL. Dave, are you ready? I am ready, sir. Ready for a little NFL talk. You're in the right place, my friend. It is an area which we call the trend zone. In today's episode, we'll talk Jimmy G, the Garoppolo, finally starting in San Francisco. Eli Manning getting benched for Geno Smith. Dave, I did did I read that right? Eli dude, getting benched. Oh, my God, dude. I can't even believe those words together. We'll also talk about the fallout from the fisticuffs in Oakland. And, of course, our survival picks, go back fantasy starts of the week, and some of the big games coming up in week 13. But, Dave, Woo! before we get to what's trending, let's get started with its super tasty dank nug for the people, bro. <laughs> yeah, this one's a green nug for the people, dude. Uh, a bird nugget, actually, dude. It's uh, the first team this year that has a chance to clinch a playoff spot. And, of course, it's obviously the uh, league's best record holding team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, your Eagles, Casey, have a chance to make the playoffs if they get a win or a tie. Uh, and or... Your Dallas Cowboys lose on Thursday night. It could happen as early as Thursday night uh, if your Cowboys allow that to happen, Casey. Dude, it's going to happen. Cowboys are going to get smoked on Thursday. <laughs> the Eagles will be in the playoffs before that weekend even starts. Wow. Book it. Wow. Man, it's exciting, though. This Eagles team, obviously, we've been talking about it the last handful of weeks um, with their uh, – their record just so out in front and everything and how likely it was that they would make the playoffs. So, uh, it's not a surprise. Mm -mm. Not Congratulations, Eagle fan. You must be pretty excited <laughs> now, but we'll see what happens come January and February. That's right. But Dave, we'll leave that crap for another time. <laughs> that crap like the playoffs and that crap like the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, all that crap. <laughs> yeah, all that crap. Bitter Cowboy fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's bitter get at all, into it, bro? <laughs> Just a little bit. I'm a yeah. little bit bitter, and sure. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. who's not bitter? The Garoppolo's, Jimmy Garoppolo's family, finally going to get to see this cat play some ball this year, bro. Yeah, it's pretty dang exciting. Uh, obviously, they were holding back on him, and we talked about it on last week's episode that they had to get him out there. They had to really see what they had, and they were playing it safe, saying, "Hey, let's make sure." We set him up for success. We don't want to put him out there and have him fall flat. And I get that. Um, but at the same time, they traded a very high second-round pick for him. And you have to see what you got so you can evaluate what it's going to be. And they've said they're fine playing uh, with him uh, next year under the tag. But that's not an ideal scenario. What you need to know with as high a pick as the San Francisco 49ers are going to have heading into this year's draft is... Do you need a quarterback or not? And that that question will now be answered, I think. Yeah, dude. All they needed was Bether to get beat hard and <laughs> get Jimmy G. See what I did there? Mm. Huh? Apparently, the uh, 49ers fans uh, were cheering at that uh, particular injury, which is not a pleasant thought, Casey. That's a, at least what uh, I had heard, that some of the uh, 49ers players were a little disappointed uh, in their fan base. But... 
can't necessarily blame them for wanting to see Jimmy Garoppolo. And he gets in there, and sure enough, boom, touchdown, right? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It makes that game watchable on Sunday. Dave, yeah. speaking of beat hard, um, there was a fight on Sunday. <laughs> it's pronounced Bethard, a... Casey. Oh, sorry. It's pronounced Bethard. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, sorry. Just well, wanted we're, we're gonna, a little correction Yeah, we're going to keep it in the Bay Area here. <laughs> Anybody that watched the uh, Broncos and Raiders Woo. saw the Crabtree and Akib Talib fight break out there on the sideline. This yeah. stemmed from last year um, when Talib came out and snatched Crabtree's chain. He did that again last Sunday, mm-hmm. and a big melee broke out. And when all said and done, these guys were each suspended for two games. No. They got it reduced to one, dude. NFL got this one completely wrong, bro. Yeah, and that was, I guess, some kind of like some appeals uh, process or something that reduced it from two to one. I haven't heard the specifics on how that occurred, but I thought two games was more appropriate. It's it wasn't your standard brawl, Casey. This thing was big time. It, it, it and yeah. it included. Uh, Talib, like really coming back into that into the field of play, I happened on the sideline, and then they're in the end zone, like several minutes into this thing. Uh, it just kept going on and on, and it turned out to a like a, almost a team wide brawl. Uh, I just thought that it, it was it merited more than just yeah. uh, a single game suspension. I don't think it was that that's enough. These two guys, that's embarrassing. It's disgusting to see uh, these go- grown men just squaring off against each other like this. Uh, what kind of message are we sending uh, that, uh, seriously, with Talib just ripping that guy's chain off, what kind of inhumane act is that even? I mean, it's like so inflammatory. Um, you know, obviously the necklace means a lot. Uh, to Crabtree, both are, are you know mouthy guys. Uh, this this thing, I think they deserved more than a single game. I, I I'm disappointed in the results. I mean, at least they are suspended for one game, but uh, it, it certainly to me merited two games. Oh, big time, dude! And if you don't want your chain ripped off, don't wear it on mm-hmm. the field. That being said, Talib's right. a repeat offender. He did this crap last year. He did it again this year. Right. He was the instigator in my mind. There was some, you know. A word out there that Crabtree hit Chris Harris Jr. You couldn't see yeah. it clear from the video, but that's uh, beside the point, dude. Um, Talib's done this now twice in a row. They didn't do anything last year. They had a chance to hammer him this year. You know, the, Goodell's so worried about protecting the shield and all this. He had an opportunity to do so, and they totally failed on this. The, there's no rhyme or reason how the NFL does these suspensions. You know, they want to right. do uh, conduct detrimental to the league. This, in my opinion, is conduct detrimental to the league, and it was on display for millions to see, and they didn't handle it correctly. And I give uh, Goodell and company a big thumbs down on this. There's no place for that crap in the game. Sure, the guys get heated sometimes, but this wasn't that. This wasn't the heat of the moment thing. This had been building up. It was premeditated with the yeah, absolutely, yeah. Obviously, like you said, a a repeat offender with Talib. This is the second time he's ripped that chain off. He deserved substantially more than a one-game suspension. Uh, it's a slap on the wrist, as far as I'm concerned, especially since uh, the Broncos aren't even, you know, they're, the way they're struggling and stuff. I would have just hammered that dude if I was if I was Goodell. Maybe four games or something. Hey, that's not acceptable behavior on a football field. Adult men cannot show the world. That cannot be what the the, the NFL puts out there uh, for for our consumption. 
Very, very disappointing there. Yeah. Um, speaking of disappointing and another terrible decision, um, we referenced it in the open there. McAdoo benching Eli Manning. And not only is he benching Eli and the, the, everything that's wrong with that, he's doing it for Geno Smith. Yeah. If you're on the Giants right now, Dave. Wow. <laughs> what is your opinion of that move? Dude, dude? I, this is wrong on so many different levels right now to me. And we both, uh, uh, both of us are not Eli fans. You being a Cowboy fan, me being a Charger fan. You know, Eli spurned the Chargers. He's worked against your Cowboys for years. Uh, he's, he's been an above average or average quarterback, but he's a two time MVP of the Super Bowl. Um, but you're looking at a, a team that's obviously struggling, but they can still salvage some respectability out of this season right now with Eli Manning at the helm. The guy deserves, as much as we don't really, uh, we're not his fans, right? But right. my God, this guy deserves a lot more respect than this. Uh, he's got the streak going up, 210 games consecutive starts. The guy's an Iron Man in that respect. I do have a lot of respect for him. He goes out every week and puts on his helmet, straps it up, and goes out there. He's not always feeling great, but he does it for the team, and he's got those guys two Super Bowls. McAdoo, who is this guy, dude? This is some hotshot offensive coordinator that they didn't want to lose. They pushed out Coughlin for this guy, and now it's biting him in the ass. And I can't imagine that the... Uh, the, the Giants brass ha- hasn't agreed with this, which shocks me because I don't think McAdoo is going rogue here, uh, just benching Eli Manning who, with all, all the accolades that he's accumulated for that organization. Totally. And the streak, dude, that's the hugest thing. You get to 210 straight starts, you deserve to get to 211 if you can. Yeah. The he's benching this guy is also putting the blame on somebody else. Yep. I know they've had a ton of injuries, but it starts at the top and goes down. This is a don't in my book. And if you're going to bench Eli, let's see what Webb has, not what Geno Smith has. We right. know what Geno Smith has, bro. Maybe he is a, a QB in this league. He's not Eli Manning. We don't know what you have in Webb. At least you can understand that, but this makes no sense at all, dude. And if I was a Giant fan, which I'm not because I hate the Giants, I would be so angry about this, and I yeah. would hope that they, you know, don't show up to support this. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays on Sunday. Yeah, but I don't know how you sell this to your fans. Absolutely all. not. I'm completely outraged, out, outraged, and I, I'm not an Eli fan. We've mentioned that. That's clear. But I'm outraged at the fact that they would disrespect this guy that's done so much for them. And like you said, for Geno Smith, how many starts does this guy have? 15 or 20 already? We pretty much know what he is. Now, I'm not going to bury Geno Smith in this segment here, Casey. He may ultimately be a quality NFL quarterback. He may uh, be a great NFL quarterback. But at this point in time, it, you know what? We've seen him. At least Davis Webb, we have no idea about. The way they should yeah. handle this was put Eli out on the field and, and try and win every ball game because that's what you do. You, you play to win the football game. And... If once the game gets out of hand, you figure out which other guy you want to look at, and I think that should have been Davis Webb to bench him for uh, Geno Smith at this at this point in time makes no sense. So, are are you an Eli fan? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not. I'm just. I, I'm. I think I'm. As as hard as this is going to say, I think I'm less of a McAdoo fan than I am an Eli fan right now. I wonder how Archie feels about the Giants organization that. 
you know, he steered he steered his kid away from the Chargers because they were so lousy of an organization. Now this organization disrespects his two-time Super Bowl son in this manner. I'm sh- again, I'm baffled. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and go out on a limb there. I think the Giants will be looking for a new head coach. <laughs> at the end of this season. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> Taking All resumes right, Dave, right let's, now. <laughs> let's move on, brother. Um, survival picks. Yeah. Three strikes pool. As we know, I've been dead for quite a while, but I've noticed there's not so much elbow room in death now. <laughs> no, I'm quite dead myself, Casey. I think our group is down to six now. It was six last week. Uh, so... I don't think anyone uh, bit the bullet this week. Uh, the many remaining players seem to have a little bit of life left in them. So uh, we'll just move on to the most popular correct pick, Casey. It was Cincinnati over Cleveland. Hey, the theme of picking against Cleveland continues to pan out uh, as they're 0-10. Uh, so, and they've played a, pretty much a different opponent almost every week. So that's that's a pretty nice little theme to go by. Most popular incorrect pick. This one shocks me. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, over Buffalo. Of course, the Buffalo Bills get that W, uh, and that shocked a lot of uh, Chiefs supporters there. Big time, dude. Um, and moving. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care about this anymore. I've been dead so long, Dave. I've been playing along for the last few weeks. I, I really, I want to move on to something else. We have to come up with a new segment to fill this time slot, Casey. You know what, though, dude? I said it last year. I was like, just pick against the Browns. And I yeah. didn't listen to my own advice, and I would still be alive had I. Yeah. So next day, if you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to pick against the Browns every week until they win. And guess what? They're going to win week one. Yeah. But you know what? This week, Casey, the most popular pick is the L.A. Chargers against the Browns. So the populace is on to this theory of going against the Browns. It only took them almost two full seasons. Yeah. The people are, that are still participating people uh, have got this, this theory down, Casey. It's still working for them. Hopefully this Charger team that lost to the Browns last year, the only team to uh, lose to the Browns in the last two seasons, Hopefully this Charger team uh, goes into the game as a 13-point favorite and takes care of business. Ooh, interesting. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) All right, Dave, speaking of TCOB, our go-back fantasy starts of the week. What do you got? Yeah, for me, Casey, I was jamming this week. I had 131-something-something points, uh, good for second-best in our uh, league here, and in my other league, I had like 139 or something where I so killed let's it. Let's hear more about that. Yeah, I know everyone wants to hear about my other league where I had <laughs> Keenan Allen. Um, but uh, yeah, had nothing to do. I, I could have made a couple of swaps, grabbed a couple more points, but uh, it, it would have ha- had no impact on my uh, standings. I won my game handily. How about yourself? Well, dude, I'm hanging my head in shame because I was beat by the kicking pigeons. <laughs> what? Huh? The kicking yeah. pigeons? <laughs> yeah, just his third victory of the, of the week, and there's not much I could do. I did drop Blake Bortles to pick up Tyrod Taylor, which um, I lost a few points on that. No biggie there, but where I really suffered was my receiving core. I had Michael Crabtree, who exited the game on the first play, so I got a big fat Oof. zero. Dez only got me 3.7. Corey Davis didn't do anything against the, uh, the Colts last week, and Greg Olson got hurt, too getting me a one, and sometimes it hurts to be so good, dude. Goskowski is my kicker, nice. but he had to settle for extra points, so I only got a five out of him. So, um, 
not much I could have done. I had a few more points on the bench. I could have played Martavis, but it would not have mattered. I was destined to get my butt kicked last week. So congratulations, Pigeons. I know you're not listening, but if you were, I said congratulations. <laughs> I'll make sure I relay that to Beanie. Uh, I'm sure yeah. he'll be thrilled to know that, uh, uh, to find out that he beat you. What happened? How's that happen? <laughs> All right, Dave, let's get in yeah. to the awesome games of week 13. We got some killer games coming up. Uh, go ahead and get us started. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, uh, it is loaded with some good stuff, but we're going to just highlight the, the really, the cream of the crop here. Let's get it going with the Minnesota Vikings at the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons at home in the bird's nest, protecting the nest. They're at home favored by three in this really pivotal NFC battle. Yeah, well, let's start with these Vikings, man. Case Keenum's been a great, um, quarterback this year. I don't know if he qualifies for comeback player of the year, but if he does, this has got to be the dude, man. He's really Maybe doing so. it. He's uh, leading this team his past three road games, almost 900 yards, eight TDs to just three interceptions. So he's really getting it done there. But it's the running game coming along. Remember at the beginning of the season, Latavius Murray was not healthy. Yep. And he's finally getting there. It's a nice one-two punch with him and McKinnon. But Murray is kind of taking over that backfield. Um, so look for him to keep going. He's looking for his fourth game with a rushing touchdown. And we talk about this guy every week, dude, Adam Thielen, man. This guy mm. is completely unstoppable, dude. This past four games, averaging almost 120 yards and a touchdown per, man. This is an exciting team on offense, but they got that killer defense too, dude. Oh, big time, dude. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the defense. I think their defense is, it's one of the best in the league. You know, you can jump, shuffle around a handful of defenses here, but on every level at the defensive line, the linebackers and in the secondary, they play such sound defense that you have to play, uh, exceptionally well to, to be able to put together a drive uh, against this Vikings defense. You mentioned it on the other side. The way Case Keenum is playing, I cannot imagine that they would mess with the idea of bringing Teddy Bridgewater in at this point and just and rock the boat, uh, that Viking ship. At this point, you mentioned how he how he's found his receivers uh, in Thalen. Uh, how about Kyle Rudolph, man? Not enough credit yeah. for this guy. He's really uh, an exceptional weapon uh, as well. And um, the Vikings now on a seven game winning streak. Um, there's just no way that you, you, uh, and at nine and two, they're just, they're sniffing the playoffs right now, dude. And they're good. They're going to be shuffling for, uh, for that potential, uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs and the buy and stuff like that. So big, big time game for this Viking squad on the road in Atlanta. Yeah. And then you flip it over to the Falcons, dude. They're finally starting to look like the team that went to the Super Bowl last year, man. Yeah. Really getting it going. Matt Ryan played uh, great last week. And, uh, you know, uh, they, Devontae Freeman has been out, but, uh, Tevin Coleman has been nice in, uh, in, in the relief effort there. But hopefully they get Freeman back. And man, when they have that one, two punch, that really puts a lot of pressure on opposing teams to get some guys up around the line of scrimmage. And yeah. when they do that, that means bad things for their secondary. Yeah. Well, bad things, if you mean like 250 plus yards uh, for Julio Jones, like he was able to put together last week. Uh, Julio is arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, he is a, you know, a, a beast out there. And last week, Sanu got into the act throwing the football downfield. But one other thing we've talked about 
uh, is the, like you said, that's the, the offense kind of like just not really clicking on all cylinders and stuff like that. But I think Sark is trying, is, is finding his rhythm there, um, on offense. This isn't the same offense that they had coordinator wise last week, the last year rather, when they were really, really lighting up the league. And, and they've sort of slept walk through a lot of these games and they're in, in a lot of ways fortunate to be seven and four. But at that's, at it, that being said, they're putting it together. And this, this team right now could be peaking at the right time. Yeah. You mentioned Sanu with the touchdown pass last week in his career. Six for six, 220 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, perfect passer rating, 158.3. Look out, Matty Ice. He's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe McAdoo will start him. Yeah, of course. Brilliant maneuver. <laughs> All right, Dave, up next we got, oh, man, this is going to be a rad game, dude. We got Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints are four-point favorites at home. Yeah, dude, and this is a... This is a, a a really significant battle. Both these teams come into this at eight and three, uh, and the Saints had that eight game winning streak after dropping the first two. They dropped a game last week to the Los Angeles Rams, our Los Angeles Rams, uh, but the Saints team still one of the hottest teams in the league. Carolina is a surprising eight and three, uh, but uh, they've uh, you know they've kind of kind of weathered the storm here so to speak and now uh it seems like McCaffrey is is obviously they were trying to feature him early but it seems like they're they're really finding their rhythm there with McCaffrey unfortunately he got Olsen back last week and then right shortly after that he hurt his his foot again we don't know what the status of that is going to be moving forward but um uh with Cam Newton you've always got a guy that can take the team on his shoulders and, and get it done and this yeah, Carolina remember. defense, real quick, Carolina defense, very, very, very strong D. Oh, yeah, dude. Remember when going into the season they wanted to limit Cam running the yeah. ball? That limited their offense. To, <laughs> yeah, I know you don't want to get your quarterback killed, but there's yeah. no way you want this guy not running, man. He's, he might be even a bigger weapon when that's going, you know, because sure. he's just so fast and he's, he's smart and he can pick up those yards, and that's really – a big part of his game, and he's done a lot of uh, damage to the Saints with those legs in their matchup. So I look for him to get busy there. And they're front, they're working Christian McCaffrey, and he's actually leading the team in receptions. Um, there was talk about not using him quite as much, but that's not the formula I would go with. I would find a way to get this guy even more touches. There was some concern about him running between the tackles. That's That concern is out the window. Baby. This guy is a, a great athlete. And he's going to be a dynamic weapon moving forward. And um, for the Panthers to have a chance in this one, that guy needs to see a lot of touches on Sunday. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he's, he is a dynamic running back, and there's no doubt you want to continue to use him uh, with the Saints there uh, at home. The Saints obviously got to get back on that winning track. The way they've been running the football, playing defense, it hasn't been so much on Drew Brees uh, as it has been in the past. And, uh, I mean, we we seem to talk about him every week, but Alvin Kamara, dude, he is just putting together a phenomenal season. The one-two punch with Kamara and Ingram uh, is one of the best in the NFL. And if Breeze is sort of not the guy carrying the team, then this Saints team is something to be reckoned with, man. Yeah, dude, Kamara and Ingram's a nice one-two punch. Both of them have over a 1,000 yards from scrimmage, man. And we saw Kamara last week just like, 
man, he is so fast. He can do a little bit of everything. This guy is an exciting, exciting weapon. And Breeze, man, he loves playing in the dome down there, 5-1 and one in his last six, just under 300 yards a game, nine TDs and only three interceptions. So this is a great game, man. It's going to be close. It's going to come down to a couple of plays at the end. Which one of those two defenses is going to step up and make the play wow. to snatch that win? Going to have to wait for a couple of days to find out. But, man, I am looking forward to this game like crazy, dude. Big time. It's going to be fun. Okay, speaking of awesome football games, we're back to the NFC. It's an NFC-themed show here, Casey. Sunday night football. It's going to be uh, the Philadelphia Eagles with their lofty 10-1 record heading to the Seattle Seahawks, dude. Uh, Philadelphia on the road, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Dude, I wonder the last time that that happened that you know the that Hawks large. were that big of a yeah a underdog at home. You'd think they're going to take that one to heart, but let's start on these Eagles. Why are they favored like that? Because Carson Wentz, dude, leading the NFL with 28 TDs, the guy wow. just makes great plays week in and week out. There's a play last week that Bears Blitzer had him dead to rights, and he just kind of spun out and made a big play downfield. Um, who was getting it done with him? You know. One, they brought in Alshon Jeffrey, who's been a, a great addition to this receiving core, kind of been that number one guy there. But Zach Ertz, dude, this cat is balling, man. He's gronking out. He had 10 <laughs> catches for over 100 yards last week. Yeah. And uh, he's a bona fide weapon there, too. Lots of weapons in the running game as well. And that defense is is better than most, too. they got a plus nine um advantage in the uh, takeaway department a lot of that is on the defensive special teams man this is a complete philly squad yeah no doubt about it and they they went all kind of all in when they traded for jay ajayi to add to to legarrett blunt and the, the other backs that they have in the backfield there but now they really have some hammers to crush you with late in the games when it's cold when they're winning um that and and you mentioned Ertz, the way that Carson Wentz is playing in his sophomore season, exceptional uh, football. A lot of credit has to go to to Doug Peterson, the coach there, being a quarterback himself, and Frank Reich, the coordinator. Um, but you also have Nelson Aguilar, who's playing a big role as well. Uh, that offense is just obviously clicking on all cylinders. And then on the defensive side of the football, uh, with Fletcher, uh, that defensive front. They can get after the quarterback. They're strong defensively, and they get to get after the quarterback a lot because the offense puts a ton of points on the board. So it's an offense that knows how to tee off and play with a lead. It's fun, man. Yeah, and talk about these Seahawks, dude. I don't know. You know, Russell Wilson might be the MVP of the league right here. He's definitely the MVP of that Seahawks team, dude. Mm -hmm. Without him, these guys would be lost. Totally. They can't really run the football. Um, super banged up on defense, but every week, man, Russell Wilson just kind of wills these guys to victory, man. They've dropped a couple earlier that they uh, would like to have back, but boy, you sit at home as five-point underdogs and you beat the best team in the NFL. That will put other teams on notice, and if yeah. anybody can get it done, it's Russell Wilson. Oh, no question about it, dude. And, and you mentioned they're struggling at the running back. I saw 14 different running backs have been in there trying to replace Marshawn Lynch in the last handful of seasons. So, like two years, maybe. Yeah, they just can't find that running game. That Gosh. they can't find that consistency there. And the receivers sort of pop up 
uh, here and there, make some big plays. Jimmy Graham has really come on in the last month or so uh, yeah. and been a huge, uh, very effective weapon, scoring touchdowns, certainly in the red zone. But this is all about um, – Right now, it's it's all about Russell Wilson. The defense, the Legion of Boom, is uh, is is the Legion of Doom now because of how many uh, bodies they've lost. You know, um, they're just not the same group back there. They're still a strong defense, but man, you it's about the the dudes playing, not the scheme. And uh, wh- when they're down that many dudes, it's hard to play that uh, that great of defense. Um, but in Seattle, where they where they have that fan base, the twelve. And and the the noise that they can put together in this big of a game on a Sunday night, it, man, let's see if it can all come together for this Seahawks team. Um, they can't afford to drop another one. They beat the Rams. They're one game behind the Rams in their division, so they can still uh, beat the Rams again and win their division. And this team, like you say, they have that resiliency. This is a statement game opportunity for Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seattle Seahawks football team. Yeah, dude, they're missing a lot of people on defense, but they still have Michael Bennett, Earl Thomas, and Bobby Wagner. So, man, that thing is going to be rocking on Sunday night. I cannot wait to see it, man. It is going to be good. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of The Trend Zone. But I want to let you guys know, once again, so many ways to check out the football radio show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, or if you're just an OG, go on over to footballradioshow.com. He's Dave, I'm Casey. Enjoy the Week 13 games, people. We are out of here.